Jesus is waiting, God so loved the world. The not-so-subtle cue anymore, Jess. Now you have to look over and look at, hey, you're up, you're up. Hey, good morning, friends, and welcome to worship at Fellowship Church. This is the day the Lord has made. Amen? Amen. What a beautiful morning we have to worship again on our outdoor service this morning. We are so glad uh, that we can do this uh, together. Uh, We believe mysteriously that the Spirit has gathered us, this group of people here today, and that God has called us uh, to bring glory to him uh, this morning. So uh, as our nation celebrates a day of independence, we have the opportunity to celebrate that, but more importantly, the freedom that we have in Jesus Christ. And to that end, let's pray together. God, you seek to bless this world and all its inhabitants, including our own country. Bless us with freedom that none may be oppressed or unjustly treated. Bless us with prosperity that all peoples might share abundantly from the produce of the earth. God, bless us with responsibility that we might properly steward your good creation. Bless us with generosity that the barriers between the haves and the have-nots may be broken down. Bless us with caring that we might reach out with love and compassion to neighbors everywhere. Bless us with faith that we might believe that you are creating a new heaven and a new earth where you will once more dwell in our midst, wiping away our tears, overcoming death and sorrow and pain. Bless us with eternal life of your kingdom where together with all the peoples of the earth, we will dwell together in peace and harmony and love. And to that end, we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together together and worship.
may have a seat. Would you join me in your hearts in prayer? Creator God, we thank you for the beauty of your creation and for giving us the privilege of caring for it. We turn to you in prayer as the maker, creator, author of all, acknowledging not only your sovereignty and lordship over all, but also praising you for your creativity, your providence, and your ongoing sustaining work in the creation. God, you saw the mountain ranges outlining the peaks and the valleys and dusting them with snow before they came into existence. You imagined the bright colors of the fish in the ocean before the waters teemed with them. You knew the composition of a single human cell, the intricacies and delicate balance of our bodies before they were formed from the dust. You knew each and every one of us long before we were conceived. You knew our thoughts and our actions, and you had a vision for how our lives would flourish and grow. We praise you as the one who is Lord over the big and the small, the vast expanses and the minuscule particles, the big picture and the daily details. We confess that so often we lose sight of the myriad ways you created and continue to create through scientific advancement, through minds enabled to think and reason, through ways to cultivate farmland to feed both human and animal, through the gifted minds and hands of those who have the ability to teach young and old alike. For the times we forget that your hand is at work in all these things, continuing your good work of creating, forgive us, Lord. For the times we waste, destroy, or apathetically let go, we ask for forgiveness. You created all things and then pronounced them good. You created us from the dust, yet in your own image, your image that is beautiful and perfect and good. You desire flourishing for creation and for all humankind. But how often we fail underestimating your plans. Instead of flourishing, we hide, we feel unworthy, we do not feel equipped enough or loved enough to do what you are calling us to do. Forgive us, O oh God. We pray that in your creation and in our lives, as those made in your image, we would flourish and grow in the grace and knowledge of you, our Lord and Savior. May your Holy Spirit fill us so that we might serve you with our whole heart, mind, and strength. May we with all creation submit to you as Lord of all. Amen. Amen. Would you continue to join us in singing um, together? And you, and you can stand if you would like or you can remain seated, whatever is, um, however you would like to be in this moment.
Amen. Hey, let's give it up for this worship team who's been here since 7 a.m. My friends, that's awesome. Thank you for being here. My name is Nate Skipper, and I'm one of the pastors here at Fellowship, where our mission is to love God and others as an accepting community centered in Christ and focused on developing faithful followers of Jesus. One way in which you can join with us as we seek to be faithful followers is by getting our summer read book, which is right over here. And today only, it's free. I'm just going to say it's free. You can take one if you'd like one. Even if you uh, haven't gotten one yet, join us. We'd love for you to join us. Uh, they're right over there. Uh, and uh, <laughs> JB wants a coupon for the next one since he already paid. But uh, you can choose to help pay if you, do, if, you, if you want it back, JB, I'll get it back to you. Uh, for those of you who uh, might be visiting with us this morning, uh, you can hear all, more about all the ministry and the things that are happening at Fellowship. We've had a, a, a crazy month in many ways of a lot of cool stuff going on. Um, and one of the primary ways in which we communicate that is through our at-home email. You can sign up for that on the webpage or uh, talk to one of us after the service and we'll try to get your name on there. Uh, but that's a great way for you to hear about some of the ministry uh, and the things that are happening uh, through, the ministry, or through the life of Fellowship Church. Uh, this morning, uh, one thing that wasn't included in that but that has happened uh, since that was printed uh, is that our, our very good friend Sherry DeWitt's son, Barry Decker, was found dead in his home this week. Uh, and so we are mourning with our sister Sherry as she uh, grieves the loss of her son, Barry Decker. Uh, more uh, information about his arrangements will be coming uh, soon. This morning, uh, our nation celebrates Independence Day, a day in which it's uh, our nation's birthday, you might say, a day that we too, uh, like we said earlier, can, can be grateful for, uh, a chance for us to worship freely here uh, and gather freely because of that. Uh, and so we uh, are going to have a little festive party. It's already starting to happen, which is beautiful. The red, white, and blue donuts are being passed around. If you haven't gotten one yet, you can grab uh, that and a coffee. And then after the service, we'll have some festive music for us to enjoy while we uh, fellowship with one another. Today is also July 4th, which means uh, we closed out our books for our fiscal year on June 30th. Uh, and thankfully, uh, God has provided uh, the, minister, the funds necessary to do the ministry that was called to us for our last fiscal year, and we even ended with a little extra. And so we give God thanks for that, and also thank you uh, for your generosity throughout the year. As we uh, look forward to another year of ministry together, we encourage you to consider how God might be stirring uh, you to uh, lead a more generous lifestyle. And one of the ways in which we do that is by the giving of our tithes and offerings. And there's some plates around the service, if you, or around the, um, what, what, what do we call this place? Is this a sanctuary, the parking lot? You know, uh, around the parking lot. Uh, so you can stop and drop one in on your way out if you'd like to. My friends, uh, we gather, though, together uh, not to celebrate fireworks, uh, but we gather together to celebrate Jesus, uh, the one in which we behold. So let's stand and sing, uh, Behold Him Together.
Well, good morning, church. The Lord be with you. What a beautiful day to be gathered outside together for worship. Today we continue our series called Reconnecting and Rising Strong. And in this series that we're in, we're hoping that together we are finding in the very stories of the Bible and in the very way of Jesus a pattern for doing that very thing in our own lives, reconnecting and rising strong even here, even now, even among us together. And today I have with me a dear friend of many of you, Emily Rosendahl. Emily is a daughter of the king, a 12-year fellowshipian, a social worker with an MDiv, a pastor's education. She's the coordinator of our uh, nursery here at Fellowship Church, and she just might be Holland's best cupcake maker. At least I think so. <laughs> Emily, how do you feel about being outside and preaching today on a tractor trailer here? It is honestly never something I thought I would do. Ah, There's, you know, something school doesn't prepare you for. That's right. That's right. What number sermon? What number sermon is this for you? This is sermon number four. Number for me. four. And how many of them have been conversational? None. None. So it's first time for everything today, yes. right? Super. Very good. And then another question for you: What do you think? Is it harder? or easier to preach to your home congregation? That's a great question. Um, I think in the case of fellowship. Did we lose her? Try again. I think in the case, oh no. <laughs> Nader, where'd you go? We need your mic. Right. Just enjoy your donuts for a minute. They're red and they're blue. So fitting. Yeah, what's your question, Nate? Show of hands if you like the new Michigan fireworks law. Yes. I hear. What is the new Michigan laws of time? Can you hear? Hello. Well, I, I don't know so. what the law is either. As much as you want. No time limits. Can we hear you now? I think so. Hey. hey. Okay. Back to the question because this is a good one. Is it more comfortable or less to preach to the congregation you know to your home church? Um, I said in the in the case of fellowship, I think it's easier. I've received so much care and love from the congregation before that it helps take away just a tinge of that nervousness. I think you're right. This is a good bunch to preach to. So, hey, our text for today as we continue our series comes from John chapter 5, and Emily's going to read it for us this morning, verses 1 to 9. Hear the word of the Lord. After this, there was a festival of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now in Jerusalem, by the Sheep Gate, there was a pool, called in Hebrew, Bethesda, which has five porticos. In these lay many invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been ill for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had been there a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be made well? The sick man answered him, 
Sir, I have no one to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I am making my way, someone else steps down ahead of me. Jesus said to him, stand up, take your mat and walk. At once the man was made well, and he took up his mat and began to walk. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Okay, fellowship, I've got a pop quiz for you so you're not too comfortable in the sunshine eating your donuts and falling asleep on us. Pop quiz, in the story you just heard, does, what happens? Does A, the man come to Jesus, or B, does Jesus go to the man? B, oh man, almost unanimous, and you are correct. The answer is B, and at least in my reading, far more typically, it happens the other way around in the gospel stories where people go to Jesus. They send messengers to him. They pull on his robe. They present Jesus with a friend, with a problem, and Jesus responds, and then the miracle happens because this person came seeking Jesus. But this story is different. Jesus goes to the man. Emily, can you give us a little bit of the background of what's going on here? Yeah. So this story takes place in Jerusalem during a festival. So this means the city is abuzz with activity as many people from outside of the city are coming in to celebrate. One of the people in the city is a man who has been an invalid for the past 38 years. I can imagine there were at least a few of you out there who had the hairs on the back of your neck stand up when the text labels this man an invalid. Well, today this would not be the most acceptable term to use. We instead may say this man was differently abled. During this time in history, it would have been ex- this would have been an acceptable description. He has been coming to the pool wishing for wellness. If you are looking at the text, you will notice that verse 4 is missing in the story. A footnote states that other ancient authorities would add verse 4 to read, For an angel of the Lord went down at certain seasons into the pool and stirred up the water. Whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well from whatever disease that person had. There was a hope for healing or wellness to happen at this pool, and that hope went up exponentially when Jesus shows up and began to talk to this man. So, so Emily, we have this story of a guy at a pool, and he's there with a whole bunch of others. They're kind of crowded around this pool wishing for wellness because mm-hmm. they believe something special happens there, whether it's supernatural, whether it's an act of God, whether it's superstition, whatever. They're gathered there wishing for wellness. Seems a little silly, don't you think? It might seem a little silly, but I think it's something we all do if we step back and take a look. Yeah, we do. I guess we do do that. We, we wish upon shooting stars, don't we? We do. Or we toss f- co- f- coins into fountains. Yeah, you bet. Some people buy lotto tickets, hoping that that will be a way to quickly fix my life. We make a wish when we blow out our birthday candles. All kinds of different. Sometimes we even buy stuff, gizmos, that we think will fix things quickly for us. So, so I guess we're kind of maybe sometimes in this company as well. Yeah, in all kinds of ways, we think, and sometimes we even say, I wish so-and-so was different. We wish for wellness, and the wish is more of a fantasy than a pursuit. Sure. Sure. Wishing is not the same as waiting, or as wanting. Ross, do you wish for anything? Yeah. My wife would tell you, when we go on vacation to a fancy place in Florida, and people drive by in their exotic cars, 
I have a wish, a fantasy, that they're going to see me and have pity on me and just give me the keys, and I'll drive home in a McLaren or a Ferrari or something like that. I don't know. Emily, do you wish for something? Isn't the number one rule of wishes not to share them? Ah, that is the superstition, I think, is correct. You are, you are right. Well, in our story, there is this setting. They're gathered around the pool. They're wishing for wellness, but then Jesus shows up. He goes to the man and he asks a question which changes the scenario. It reminds me of a story I heard recently of a British train company that was working hard on building a new high-speed train. And they wanted to test their newly developed windshield to see how strong it was. And they had heard of airline companies and the FAA, the Federal Aviation Association, who had developed a way to test if an airplane has a, uh, a windshield strong enough to withstand a hit from a bird. And so they built a bird cannon, okay? It's like a big potato gun, except it's for dead chickens. <laughs> and they put a dead chicken in this cannon, and they fire it at the speed of an airplane in flight, and it hits the windshield, and that's your way to test whether it can withstand the thing. And so this British train company, with their new train wanting to test their windshield, asked the FAA if they could borrow the dead bird cannon, okay? <laughs> So the Brits are pretty proud of their newly developed windshield, and uh, they bring this cannon to it, and, and when they try it out, they get pretty disheartened when they realize that every single time they fire this dead chicken, it goes right through the windshield, knocks over the captain chair, and puts a dent in the back of the locomotive, brand new. Time and again, it just keeps happening, and... By the way, no, no chickens were harmed in that. They're all dead already, okay? It's just someone's dinner. Uh, but when they finally mustered the courage to ask the FAA, what's wrong with our windshield? What, what are we doing wrong here? The FAA returned to them a very simple question. They said, about the dead chickens that you're firing out of the cannon, are they frozen? Or are they thawed? <laughs> they were firing frozen chickens, which are basically large rocks. And of course, it was going right through the windshield. The moral of the story, Emily, is that sometimes the most important question is neglected to be asked. And our story today has an important question that was asked. It is the question that Jesus asks the man, do you want to get well? It is the question that determines the way the rest of the story will go. And in this question, Jesus asks and leaves the decision up to the man. He does not force an answer or wellness upon the man. It is more than likely a question the man has thought about in some form for the past 38 years. But this may be the first time that the man was directly asked the question by someone. Jesus allows the man's wishing to become a want. This man's wishes creeps towards a reality from this question from Jesus. Do you want to get well? Hmm. It reminds me of a professor, Jamie K.A. Smith, out of Calvin University, uh, just a bit down the road, wrote a book called You Are What You Love. And in this book, he talks a bit about the importance of our wants, which is what Jesus is getting at mm -hmm. with this big question. So listen to what he says in the book. He says, you can't not bet your life on something. You can't not be headed somewhere. 
we live leaning forward, bent on arriving at the place we long for. The place we unconsciously strive toward is what ancient philosophers of habit called our telos, our goal, our end. But the telos we live toward is not something that we primarily know or believe or think about. Rather, our telos is something that we want, what we long for, what we crave. And he goes on to say, to be human is to be animated and oriented by some vision of the good life, some picture of what we think counts as flourishing, and we want that. We crave it. We desire it. And so I think it is entirely appropriate as we hear this story of Jesus coming to the man and asking this very important question. I think it is very applicable for us to see Jesus asking us the exact same question. In our wishes and even in all the things that we're going through in life, Jesus comes and says, do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? Look at the gospel stories and you'll see that time and again, there's a pattern of Jesus. Jesus wants to work with people who want something. And so here's this man at the pool and Jesus comes to him and says, do you want to get well? At another time, there are some people starting to follow Jesus and he turns back and says to them, what are you seeking? At other times in the gospel stories, Jesus calms the storm because the people cry out to him for help. And in another time, Jesus feeds the masses because the people were hungry. Jesus even taught this very principle in the Beatitudes that he offered at the beginning of the Gospel of Matthew when he says, Blessed or happy are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they will be filled. It seems time and again that we're being reminded that Jesus wants to work with those who want something. And Emily, I'm wondering, to the extent that you're able to share, uh, where do you see this at play in the counseling world? People wanting or desiring something. I see a lot of this wanting and desiring happening in the counseling field. And one way that I would break it down to look at it would be to look at the life stages of the past, the present, and the future. While participating in counseling, clients are looking for healing and freedom from their past situations and hurts. I often work with individuals who like to live on the land of if only. If only I had done this, or if only I had done that, then my life would look different today. There's a desire to rewrite the past. For present challenges, many are looking for those quick and easy fixes. There can be a longing for a magic pill to take to push away the hard and big emotions or a money tree in the backyard to alleviate the burden of debt. When looking towards the future, some have unreasonable timelines for lofty goals or they're waiting for January 1 to roll around again to put in that new New Year's resolution. The hope I have for individuals when I begin working with them on their journey to wellness is that the the wishing that they have becomes um, a deep hungering and turns into a want to inspire and motivate them forward and to put in that hard work that it takes to become well. And I have to believe that's what Jesus wants from us as well. Yeah, that's sort of his disruptive question into what was otherwise going on. He says, do you want to get well? Mm -hmm. 
the strange thing is that Jesus asks this penetrating question then and now, and in the story of John chapter 5, the man's answer is quite different than you might typically expect. Did you notice? Jesus says, do you want to get well? And the man doesn't say, yes, of course I want to get well. That's what I've been wanting for 38 years. He does not just respond enthusiastically right away. His response instead is an excuse. He more or less is saying, yeah, I'm wishing for wellness here, but, but every time this pool is stirred, someone beats me to it, and I get left behind. I'm stuck. There's no one here to help me, he says. It's an excuse, and it doesn't really even answer Jesus' question. He says, I'm wishing for wellness, but I never get my wish. It almost seems, Emily, like he's playing a little bit of a victim card here. Mm. Is that possible? What do you think? I think I might disagree with you on that one, Ross. Fair enough. Um, One of the most profound moments that I have had working with clients um, so far has led me to a really, um, really enlightening self-discovery. I've been working with a man in his mid-50s who is experiencing fairly severe depression after after a divorce. At this point, I was working with the man for about a year and a half, and each session was just the same conversation over and over and over again, with little to no progress being made. I was beginning to get frustrated with the situation because nothing seemed to be working, and I wanted to blame him for not using the coping skills and the tools that we were learning together, and that he was not practicing them. But one day while I was talking with him, something clicked within me, and I very vividly felt myself in his shoes. There are areas in my life that I also wish for wellness and have the tools to begin the work towards that wellness, but get stuck. I began to feel an overwhelming sense of empathy for this client and realized that we were both working to our full capabilities at that time, even though we were not seeing the full results. I believe that this moment was so profound for me because through it, I began to view all of my clients differently, shifting my thinking from believing they were playing the victim card to believing they were doing what they were capable of. I developed a sense of empathy, and my empathy lens became much bigger than my victim card lens. One thing my family says often is it's much easier to solve someone else's problems, and it is easy to think about that way Um, thinking that way in the text today too, that, but if we give our empathy lens a chance, we might be able to view this man a little bit differently. Well, Emily, you are clearly a better person than I am, which surprises no one, right? You sound a bit like Jesus as you say that, and and I love to hear it. I'm actually going to keep pushing the other way, okay? So, Years ago in youth group, I had a a, a discussion with kids, and I said to them, I'm going to play the devil's advocate. And one of the kids responded right back, snappy, said, okay, then I'll play the Jesus advocate. (laughs) I'm going to play the devil's advocate, and you be the Jesus advocate here. Because I can't help but see in this story a little bit of a case of victimitis, where this guy seems to be playing a victim card almost. But I see it that way because I see a little bit of myself in Mm -hmm. him, Mm -hmm. same way that you just said it. And so I'm not looking to be judgy of this man who's 2,000 years dead, so he doesn't care. (laughs) Uh, So I'm not looking to judge him, but I am wanting to get a little honest with myself about my own case of victimitis sometimes. So I'm wondering about you here, show of hands, how many of you have ever had a case of victimitis? Right? Oh yeah, look at that. Some honest folks out there 
If you picture yourself getting caught by a train or in a traffic jam, or if you picture an instance where you were going to have a wonderful picnic and it started raining and the narrative in your head right away becomes something like, I can't believe this has happened to me again. This always happens to me. This is disrupting everything. You might have a case of victimitis, <laughs> right? Victimitis views a current problem as a catastrophe. If anything goes bad, it's the end of the world. Victimitis is quick to make excuses or to blame others, which is precisely what the man does in mm -hmm. our story. It looks to put the blame elsewhere. It's always someone else's fault. Victimitis enjoys the company of other victims. And so this man sits at this big pool among this other offensively named group of <laughs> other invalids, right? He's sitting there, and, uh, and sometimes we enjoy this company of other victims because they help further the narrative that the world is against me somehow, or things never go my way. And victimitis, one more thing, victimitis often makes us feel powerless. So we end up stuck in being stuck, rather than actually seeking out a solution of some kind. I have a friend named Brad Gray, who's a great Bible teacher, and he recently offered up a great reminder that sometimes we need to give God something to bless. Sometimes we need to give God something to bless. In Exodus chapter 14, there's a scene where the Israelites are fleeing the Egyptians. They've just been set free from slavery. And Moses, their wonderful leader, turns to them and says, uh, when they're starting to get worked up, they say, fear not, God will fight for you. You need to just be still and literally do nothing. Sounds like great advice, the kind of thing you might put on a plaque and hang on the wall. <laughs> Except that in the very next verse, God changes it a bit and overrules Moses. And he basically says to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Go do something. Get moving. Give God something to bless. And victimitis can often leave us stuck in our stuckness. And Jesus interrupts us and says, do you want to get well? And do you want it well enough to do something about it? We are invited to give God something to bless, even if it's only our wanting. Because even in that Exodus story, God parts the sea. God still does all the dramatic things, but they are still invited to get moving and to do something. Emily, does this translate at all into your world as we look at it a little differently? How does it fit in, in counseling? I believe this translates into um, a few different options that people have when they walk into the office for counseling. One of my favorite ways that these options have been laid out for people is by Marsha Linhan. And Linhan lays out four options with a little bit of tongue-in-cheek playfulness at the end. The first option would be to solve the problem. This would mean to get out of the situation by avoiding it or leaving it. Second would be to feel better about the problem. This would, be, this would mean to change or to regulate your emotional response to the problem. Third would be to tolerate the problem. Accept and tolerate both the problem and your response to the problem. And fourth would be just to stay miserable. <laughs> Options one through three provide a different path on the journey to wellness. Sometimes we don't have the ability to leave or avoid a problem completely. Like if your problem is fighting with your siblings, your parents aren't going to just get rid of your sibling. <laughs> 
So we need to learn how to regulate and cope with those emotions while experiencing the problem. Each of these options allow clients the tools um, for numerous problems and situations so that they can cope on their journey to wellness. But I really appreciate option number four being spelled out, even though it seems silly, that oftentimes the work gets really hard, but we have to remember that it is worth it and we are choosing not to stay miserable. There's still a hope. Hmm. And, and that seems to be where this story brings us. And uh, recognizing, as the Bible often helps us to realize, that Jesus is there with us and Jesus seeks out this man. The story basically uh, shouts to us almost that there is one person who makes all the difference. And it's Jesus in this case. If you are joining us in our summer read, you might notice that the chapter, chapter 3 this week, invites us to look at our situations on three categories of a reckoning, a rumbling, and a revolution. And you might say in the very story we've just read of this man in John chapter 5, Jesus is the one who helps the man to reckon with his current reality. Jesus is the one who helps the man to rumble with his inner thoughts with that penetrating question. And Jesus is certainly the one who helps the man to rise strong, quite literally, creating a revolution in his life by saying, pick up your mat and get walking. And that's what happens. In the spirit of seeing Jesus as the one who, no, who makes all of the difference, notice three things. Number one, Jesus sees the man. The man isn't seeking Jesus. If Jesus didn't initiate, nothing would have happened. It's a great reminder that God seeks us out before we seek out God. The prophet Isaiah once said of God's servant, whom we now know to be Jesus, a bruised reed he will not break. A dimly burning wick he will not quench. You friends, and I too, especially in our troubles, are not invisible to God. Jesus saw the man. So number one, Jesus sees the man. Number two, Jesus asks the question. And it's a startling question that wakes us up, moving away from our wishing and into our wanting. Kind of like the story of the dead chickens. <laughs> Sometimes there's a question that makes all the difference and Jesus comes to us too and says, do you want to get well? Jesus wants to work with our wanting. The Apostle Paul latched onto this in the New Testament in the book of Philippians where he offers this interesting tension. He says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, which is do something. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling for it is God who is at work in you, enabling you to will and to act. But it is our holy wanting that gives God something to bless. So number one is Jesus sees the man. Number two is Jesus asks the question. And number three is Jesus works the miracle. He heals the man without the pool. The gospel lesson is that we can trust Jesus with all. We would be remiss if we did not mention clearly that the reason Jesus did the miracle and the reason John told the story in his gospel is that people would come to know and believe that Jesus is the joy in our desiring. Or in Jesus' own words, I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly. Where are you wishing for wellness? 
And are you willing to invite Jesus into the healing journey? In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Friends, I would invite you. <laughs> Friends, I would invite you to stand as we respond together, hearing the invitation that Jesus is giving us. Um, and maybe even if we don't want to be made well, maybe we want to want to. <laughs> Wherever you are at, um, may we hear this invitation together. the invitation this week in our reconnecting and rising strong journey comes in the form of a question from Jesus. Do you want to get well? 
as you go from this place to ponder that question this week. May the grace of the Lord Jesus and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you always. Amen. Go in peace and enjoy the donuts.